Amen. You can be seated. David was plagued throughout his life. Seemingly, he couldn't escape the different plots, usually created by others. What made it even more difficult, most of them was his kinfolk. Joab, Abishai, Ashiel were all David's half-sister Zeruah's children. They were David's nephew, if you will. And yet, not only were they his nephew, but they were part of his army, part of his leadership. And the story begins with the Bible telling us there's been a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And it seemed to really get out of boundaries in 2 Samuel chapter 2. We find that Joab and Abner decide to have a contest to see whose men were the strongest or most powerful that they did. And Joab put Abner's men to run it. So Abner's men are all fleeing. Joab's brother, Ashiel, is chasing him. Abner looks back and says, Hey, dude, quit chasing me. And he didn't stop. He wouldn't move. So Abner takes a spear, literally takes a spear and goes, Ah! And spears a shield, and he dies there on the road. From that moment on, it was a fracture that couldn't be healed. As a matter of fact, later on, Abner seeks reconciliation. Joab finds out about it. Says, David, what in the world did you do? And he goes and he, he pretends, he pretends to, to want to embrace Abner and accept him. The only problem is, Joab had a dagger in his hand, and while he's a hugging him, he's a running a knife under his fifth rib. You you read and if you're a biology and you know anything, he, he put a, a a dagger straight in his heart. David said, "Abner doth as a fool doth," and so that war keeps escalating, and we find here, however in this context, that these two families had a great contrast as well. The Bible says that David waxed stronger and stronger. My prayer is that these graduates that graduated this past week and beginning a new life, a new section, a new phase of life, will grow stronger and stronger. However, Saul's life wasn't that way. Saul waxed weaker 
and weaker. Can I, can I put it to you this way? David's life is going uphill and Saul's life's going downhill at a breakneck speed. And so today, as we look at these two, the question begs, and by the, by the way, by the way, that word wax means to walk. It's not a one-time uh, action. It's not a one-time thing that we do. And I'll show you that in a little bit. But it is our continual walk, our, uh, what the, that we do each and every day. And so David waxed stronger and stronger. Saul waxed weaker and weaker. Can I remind you something? Are you listening? Are you listening? Don't miss this. There's no neutral ground. You're waxing stronger and stronger or you're waxing weaker and weaker. This morning, please give me your attention on purpose. You're waxing stronger and stronger. Every person, every family, every home, every life, or you're waxing weaker and weaker. Now the question begs, why was David's house getting stronger and Saul's house was getting weaker? Why was that? Well, I believe there's three things. I want to give you these three things this morning. And these three things apply to every single one of us. Every single one of us. First of all, it starts with conception. Starts with conception. Notice with me how Saul was conceived. First Samuel chapter 8 and verse number 1. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took brides and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together, came to Samuel in Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now I want you to listen to what they said. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Verse number 7 of that same chapter, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me. I should not reign over them. Now there's where Saul comes into the picture. Here's the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel says, Samuel, your boys are not doing right. And they didn't do right. I want you to know they wasn't doing right. But they said, listen, here's our solution. We want you to make us a king like all the other nations. We don't want the Lord ruling over us no more. We want somebody else ruling over us. And so literally, literally, God said to Samuel, he said, well, give them what they want. I want you to know I don't serve a tyrant. 
No, you want something bad enough, God let you have it. Now, you may not like it after you get it. Amen. I've I seen this orange truck. I told you about my orange truck. I determined I was going to get on orange truck. I got what I wanted. I never was so sick of nothing in all my life. The reality is, you want something bad enough, God let you have it. We don't serve a tyrant. And so they said, now listen what the Bible says in chapter 8, verse 8. According to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. God said, they've been rebellious from day one. And in the midst of this environment, they chose Saul. He's head taller than everybody else. And Saul was chosen. Now the Bible says, later on God said, now listen, I'm going to give them what they want, but you tell them, tell them, are you listening? I'm trying to tell you today, God let you have what you want. He said, tell them, he'll take your sons and put them in his army. He'll take your young ladies and make slaves out of them. He'll take and he'll tax you out the, out the yin-yang. He'll use you, he'll abuse you. But tell them, hey, son, tell them, they know what they want. This is going to be results. And then may I say, boy, he did. You know what the people said? We don't care. We won't solve. So that's exactly what they got. But I want you to notice David's conception. I want you to notice David's. And the Lord said to Samuel, and I love this. Can I just paraphrase this? The Lord said, Samuel, quit your whining and get up, get that horn of oil, and go down and anoint David. King of Israel. Notice what he said. How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I rejected him, and from reigning over Israel, fill thine horn with oil, and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Boy, what a solemn statement. Did you hear what he said? I have rejected Saul. God said, I've rejected him. I've rejected him. Now, Samuel, go get your heart oil. I got me a little boy down there. He'd been tending sheep. He'd been singing to me. He'd been, he'd been on the side of the hillside. He, he'd been killing lions and bears. He said, I want you to go see him and anoint him, king, my next king. I've chosen me one. See, the people didn't know Saul had been rejected. He's still putting on the front. Hey, young people, you can put on any kind of dog you want to put on. You can put up a front, what people think, but God knows where you're at. Amen? Ain't no kidding him. So Samuel arrives at Jesse's house. Jesse lines up all the kids. But see, David's the baby of the family. And the baby always got stuck with tended sheep. 
So whenever Samuel got done, he said, Jesse, have you got any more boys? He said, well, we got one. He's attending sheep down there. Samuel said, we'll not sit down till he comes. So they come and get him, sure enough. And isn't it amazing? He began by being a servant and become a ruler. Are you listening? He was faithful over a few sheep and inherited a whole nation. He knew how to work and God gave him joy. I want you to notice in contrast, in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son, he began as a leader and became the servant. The prodigal began owning everything and ended up being poor and owning nothing. The prodigal began with pleasure and ended with slavery. David's eighth son ate the number of new beginning and starts with a conception. But it continues. It continues with a choice. It begins with a conception. Let me just say this. It's hard. It's hard to start anything wrong and at the end of the day, trying to make a right out of it. You build a foundation and you build that block wall around there. If you don't get that block wall right, when you get to the top, it'll be off. And when you get there, there's no way to fix it. Because when it started wrong, it usually end wrong. So the reality is, our conception's important. But notice, the most important thing is what it continues with. And that's our choices. And all of our young people here this morning, are you listening? Are you listening? Your choices now. I'm going to take just a few minutes and just share with you my heart. You're not little boys and girls no more. You're young adults. I want to be treated like an adult, then act like an adult. You are young adults. You're not children no more. One of the things that happens, Levi over here, this little boy can come up to me and he can say, just like one other little boy one time did, he came up to me, a little bitty, about the size of Levi. He said, I'm going to mess you up. <laughs> so I'm going to mess you up. Yeah, I had a crazy daddy's where he got that from. <laughs> I'm going to mess you up. Look, they come to my knees. I'm going to mess you up. Now, you know, that didn't mean a thing. Behold it. Now, your words your actions, your choices carry weight because you're young adults and your choices, all of us. One of the things about stepping into an adult world, we have to be responsible for our own choices. Good or bad, we're responsible. 
We can't, we can't blame someone else. Now I want you to notice Saul's choices. First of all, he chose circumstances over convictions. I, I would to God, I would to God, our young people would get a hold of what Matthew's teaching on Sunday evening. But it might be too late and we might need adults to learn what he's teaching. Circumstances over convictions. First Samuel chapter 13. Saul's awaiting on Samuel to come. Samuel was the one to walk into the holy place and offer a sacrifice. But notice what Saul did. The Bible said he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me, and a peace offering. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering, the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. He invaded a holy place, you know, because of the circumstances. Here was his, here was his justification. Well, Samuel didn't show up. Samuel didn't come on time. Samuel's running late, so I got to do it myself. No, Saul, you don't get the right to do it yourself. You're not the high priest. You invaded a holy place, and you were wrong. Notice this. He pleased people. Instead of principles. I believe we got some adults that need to hear this. I love you, but some of you are so concerned with what somebody else thinks, you won't even obey God. You're concerned about what somebody will say or think about you that you won't even obey God. So he says nothing because you're not going to obey to begin with. Wow. Wow. We find here, 1 Samuel 13, 11. Samuel said, Why hast thou done? Saul said, Because I saw the people were scattered from me. Wow. The people were scattered from me. That thou mayest, and, and that thou camest not within the days appointed that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mi'kmaq. He said, the people were, I was losing the people. Wow! One day the Lord said, whom do they say I am? They gave an answer. But the Lord wasn't concerned about what they say. Stop right here. If you can't get past what they say, you'll never do anything for God. Jesus said, but whom do ye say that I am? Who do you say I am? Now, that was Saul's choice. He invaded the holy place. He disobeyed. He went totally against, he sinned and went against God and against what he knew was true. And by the way, Saul wasn't ignorant about this. He knew. Now I'm going to shock you because I'm going to give you 
David's choice. I chose this one on purpose. I want you to listen to David's choice. 2 Samuel 11. It came to pass after the year was expired. It's a time when kings go forth to battle. That David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel. They destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Raboth. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the evening time that David rose from off his bed, walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. David sent inquired after the woman, and one said, Is this not is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah, the high type? David sent messengers that took her, came into him, they and he lay with her for she was purified from uncleanness, and she returned into her house, and the woman conceived and sent, told David and said, I am with child. Whoa! Time out! Everybody look up here at me now. Time out! What? David's choice wasn't any better than Saul. He might have been worse. He sees a woman taking a bath, sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, kills her husband, premeditated first degree capital murder, lies like a dog. Preacher, I thought you said our choices. That's what I'm saying. What I want you to see is you look at me now. Everybody look at me. No matter how you're conceived, where you grow up, you can grow up in this church, but there's none of us exempt from the devil messing you up. Right. You're robed in human flesh, and you're, you're, you're needy. I mean, you're, you're not smart. If you think... If you think that you're the exception, it won't happen to me. I won't do that. I'm not get, I never, no, 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 no. You're the one the devil's looking for. I'm telling you, you, if you're not careful, if you're not watching, you'll, we've all, and by the way, can, can we get just good, an old fashioned amen? We've all made bad choices. All of us. That we can't undo. We can't undo some of them. We just can't. I'm rem- I got scars that reminds me of my bad choices. And no matter how much I shave, no matter how much how old I get, them scars are still there. Are you listening? And so, so both of them made devastating choices. So what's the difference? What's the difference? Here's the difference. Everybody look up here at me. Young people, you better listen to what this old man's telling you. Saul! You sin. Listen to what Saul said. Saul said unto... Now listen to Samuel. Saul's talking... To Samuel, not to God, Samuel. 
I've sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. Thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds like he's repenting, doesn't it? Listen to the next verse. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin. He's talking to Samuel. Samuel, I'm sorry. Samuel, I'm sorry. Samuel, I'm sorry. Problem is, he never asked God. Turn and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Here's what he's wanting to do. He's saying, Samuel, I want you to go to God for me. I've sinned. You tell God what I've done and then come back and give me. Me and you're both going to worship God. No, Samuel. No, Saul. It doesn't work that way. Here's the difference. There never was a time in Saul's life he ever accepted responsibility or he ever repented. Every time you read about Saul, he's justifying what he's done. Well, I just tell you, let me tell you my story. I couldn't help it. I had to do this. And then he was the master of dragging something else into it besides owning the responsibility of it, of his choice. And just getting graveyard honest. He justified it. Hear me and hear me well. You can justify something now till the cows come home. But you'll not change your status with an almighty God. Listen to David's repentance. Psalms 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, brought out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. You know what David says? David says, now David sinned against Uriah. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against his family. He sinned against a lot of things. But you know where he starts? In Psalms chapter 51, he starts with God. Hey, God, I've sinned. Lord, I need you to wash me. He starts with God. He don't start with somebody else. He starts with God. Repentance is a starting with God. Getting right starts with God. Being right starts with God. You can be right, right with everybody around you, but if you're wrong with God, you're wrong. Let me say something here. Are you listening? Are you listening? I really try to give you something life-changing this morning. If you never come to the place of repentance with God, you'll never get, you'll, you'll do it again and again and again and again. Nothing will ever, it may change for a while around you, 
but it'll not change permanently. If there's ever going to be a change, it's got to start with the Almighty God first here. And then guess what? What God puts in here changes everything around here. Man shared a testimony, and I'm not mentioning his name. I'm on, don't worry, I won't. But he said this. I used to, didn't like coming to church. But he said, I couldn't wait to come to church tonight. I thought, hallelujah. You know what that's saying? That's saying God is doing something on the inside and it's working its way on the outside. If you try to work it from the outside in, it'll never work. It may work for a day or two, a week or two, but you'll still be in the same place. David said, creating me a clean heart Oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Isn't it amazing? There's a difference. Both these men made choices. Both of them made very wrong choices. Both of them, went, neither one of them was perfect. Just to show me ain't none of us perfect. But what it says is this. Saul said, I'm sorry, now bless me. I'm sorry, now I want to worship. I'm sorry. No accountability, no responsibility, none. Can I help you? You you can do whatever you want to, but it doesn't make any difference who the person is. If there's not accountability and responsibility for our actions, nothing will ever change. I mean, we can use all the philosophy. We can use all the, the book learning, all, the, all, all of that stuff. But see, that's from the outside in. Well, if you just love them a little bit more, preacher, you've got to love them. Okay? But it won't, it won't last. Well, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. you got to do That's outside. But one move of God on the inside will change a person for an eternity. It'll change. Can't get around it. I know it's tough. I know we all want to try to fix people. God knows I've tried for years. Twenty, I tried, I've worked on some of you 28 years, and you still ain't fixed. The reality is, if God doesn't do something on the inside of that heart to change a person. They can never be changed. No matter how you try to do it, it won't last. It will not last. David started with God. He comes to God. He's broken. He's broken about his sin. He's broken. I love this. That prodigal down our slopping hogs broke as a convict down to nothing when he came to himself. What was the first words out of his mouth? I sinned against daddy. I sinned against my brother. I sinned against my family. No. First words out of his mouth was 
God, I sure sinned against you. I noticed something here. When he acknowledged that, you know what he said? I'm not worthy of anything. He said, God, I'm not worthy of anything. Nothing. Nothing. He said, I've sinned against you. And then I've sinned against my parents. My mom, my dad, my brother. He said, just maybe. My dad will have grace and mercy. And let me work for him. As a hired servant. He didn't come to him and say, I demand he give me this. No, no. He said, see, when God changes the inside, he'll change you. He'll change your spirit. He'll change everything about you. Starts with a conception. Continues with choices. But notice, it concludes with Christ. Now, this is the most important point of it all. We find that it concludes with Christ. Here's where the difference really lies. Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected thee from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go away, he laid hold of the skirt of his mantle and it rent or tore. Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom from thee this day. And here's what he said. And hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Notice what 1 Chronicles 14, 2 says. And David perceived that the Lord had confirmed him king over Israel. For his kingdom was lifted up on high because of his people Israel. But the secret, the secret, now preached about the conception, the choices, but the secret is Christ. That's the secret. Notice Samuel tells us about it in the Old Testament. Jesus reminds us about it in the New Testament. Listen what he said. Now thy kingdom should not continue. For the Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. Acts 13. And afterwards they desired a king. God gave him Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up to them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Here's the key. To growing stronger or weaker. What's in your heart. On every eye shut, looking straight at me, but your eyes shut. I don't want to see you. I want you to ask yourself, what's in your heart?
What? In your heart. Right now. God said, David's house is growing stronger and stronger. All right. You know your eyes now. If you shut too long, you'll be snoring. David said, his house grew stronger and stronger. You know why? Because Christ was the center of his heart. Saul grew weaker and weaker. You know why? Because Christ was not the center of his heart. And there's one thing about it. Every one of us are in one of those two places. Here's the great challenge. Can we get honest enough? Well, I would put Christ, but, 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 but. You'll stay being Saul and growing weaker and weaker and weaker. May we get honest enough. I'm in graveyard honest this morning. Say, I want to be like David. I want to be a man after God's own heart. I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to pursue him. I want God's heart. I want God's will. I want God's purpose in my life. I, I want God. I want all of God he'll give me. I want every bit he'll give me. I want God's will and purpose. I want to have a heart that's seeking after God. David, God said, and David's house grew stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger because if you have a heart like that, you'll affect others in a positive way. If you've got a heart of a soul that's growing weaker, you'll drag people down with you to finally you're down to nothing. You're like the prodigal, slopping hogs without anything. Believe you me, you can get to that destination quicker than you think you can. Now you're in the journey of one of the two. This morning, you're getting stronger. I, my prayer is for these graduates that they'll begin a journey of getting stronger and stronger because they have a heart for God. But you know what? I can preach. I can sweat. I can plead. I can beg. But the ultimate choice is theirs. Do they want a heart for God? If you want one, you can have one. But if you don't want one, then you won't. Just that simple. So I'll stand to her feet.